So very often I have a topic for talks and pretty much saying the same thing over and over again and this way and then I say it this way and then I change it. So you all know that. Probably gets kind of boring after a while. If it gets boring, it doesn't mean you heard what I said. You may have heard it, but it doesn't mean that you understood what I said. So occasionally we do, uh, in the past when I haven't been quite as busy, I would come in uh, Zendo when there'd be practice going on, sit down and I would do a ring this little bell up here and we'd do mountains and rivers. And that's basically, I'm sitting here, ask questions based on your practice. So this is a, I think I've given one talk called mountains and rivers, but that's why this is called mountains and rivers two. So I might give quite a few of those in the future. So probably three is coming up, maybe 3.5. It is a good format because you can come from wherever, whatever you're trying to understand about the Dharma, about meditation, wherever it is at, this is the time to ask the question and I'll respond. I may not be able to answer your question, but I, I will respond to it in, in some way that I hope is helpful to you. So go for it. Yesterday you gave a talk, I think it was called Dhammata is Deep, and it was about the third turning teachings of Buddha nature. And when I think about the second turning teachings on emptiness, I'm wondering if the practice actually changes if we actually have a third or second or first turning practice? Uh, paraphrase that question. Just because the concepts change, does that mean our practice changes? Not necessarily. Everyone is so uniquely different. We're all human beings, hopefully. So you know aliens, maybe a couple, getting out. Um, they don't need to. Um, so those structures, uh, first turning, second turning, third turning, uh, first turning is about what is this? Who is this? And, and the mechanics of the mind, the mechanics of confusion, how the mind continually reinvents some kind of polarity that where you have good and bad up and down, back and forth, right and wrong, life and death for that matter. It lies into that. And the uh, Buddha Dharma uh, teaches in that way. Life is suffering. Um, the cause is wanting things to be different than they are, or desire, or grasping. And uh, the remedy for that is to uh, train the mind. Fourth turning, and then the or not, or fourth uh, noble truth, and the third noble truth is cessation. That there is this can come. Uh, the suffering can come to a stop. It's going to end pain, but it's going to end uh, suffering. And then uh, uh, second turning teachings is uh, that all that's empty. Everything's empty. Everything is empty of, um, it's empty. It's empty of what you thought it was. What you thought it was this is empty of that. So that's gone. And some teach, teachings, teachers, and traditions actually go into that and bind themselves to that idea. Everything is empty. Start to claim anything, they're after you. Start to make any claim about anything. 
So third turning teachings, and that's the emptiness teachings of the Prajnaparamita, which also I would say are actually third, third turning also. Third turning is about the fundamental nature. It's about seeing the fundamental situation of what that is, understanding what that is, and that would be Buddha nature or Tathagata Garbha. More? When you teach one main practice, Shikantaza, that's the foundation, it seems, of what we're doing. Yes. Is that fall into one of the turnings? It's all of them. It depends on if you sit down, hold still, and endeavor to receive whatever's showing up, you will eventually go through all three. At your rate of speed, not mine, and not, not, even, not even Buddhism. As soon as you sit down and look at the wall, Buddhism's gone. All the structures are gone. This is the practice of Buddhism. There's nothing to believe, disbelieve, or ignore. There is no, there is no final truth about this, other than the one that you understand, if in fact you do. I highly recommend that you look there before this body-mind that you all think is you goes back into the elements, earth, water, fire, air, space, and consciousness. there a progression through the three turnings? You could go back and forth, up and down. You could go any direction. It depends on the kind of karma or causes and conditions that are lodged or, or, or are uh, running around in circles, possibly, in your uh, surface consciousness, your deep consciousness, avivijnana, sixth and seventh consciousness. It's very, very complicated. It cannot be figured out. Well, I, don't, I shouldn't say that particularly, but doesn't look like it could be figured out, but it can be seen. Figuring takes you on an actual material path. It's called spiritual materialism. If you're going after something, it's spiritual materialism. If you're refusing something, uh, that's ignorance. More? Shoto. Is there anything to practicing um, more than just showing up? I'm asking, can we practice more effectively? I think it's different for each person. There might be some way that you personally would understand how to do that. But for me to, you know, I, I don't want to interfere too much. I want to say, here's the forms. You want to do this? I'll show you how, and I'll support you doing that. But you have to awaken uh, from, uh, from this looking here from uh, towards you. You're already the Buddha. It's not a credential. It's not even a, a, it's not even a being aware, particularly, nor is it not being aware. The, the most important thing seems to be one of them anyway, maybe not the most important. It's just persistence. Just do it anyway. No matter what shows up, once you've made a determination that you're going to find out what this is and train your mind, then return and excuse me. Slow down, sit down, hold still, watch what continues to ramp up and ramp up and ramp up because that's the nature of your particular karma, your mind, and your causes and conditions, your passion, aggression, and ignorance, your five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. That's how those are working for you and they're changing constantly. 
and they give the illusion of there's somebody experiencing that. It's an illusion. Earlier you brought up the Four Noble Truths and you said that there can be an end to suffering but the pain might not go away. Could you say more about what suffering is talking about if it's not pain? So pain is uh, the way I talk about it is nerve endings. This it feels really nice if you have a feather. It feels not so good if you have a sharp spike or a nail. Same nerve ending. It holds true for all the six sense fields, including the mind. You notice I'm smiling slightly. Did you want to know why? I have no idea. I, I think uh, it's it's because it's so extremely simple and you can see it. But we tend to cover it up because we don't want to actually see the how simple and direct the situation is. We want to tumble off into, into some kind of uh, spinning, some kind of uh, analyzing and categorizing and coming to conclusions and coming to exclusions. Uh, Sanho, go ahead. You mentioned simple, and then you mentioned covering up. I'm wondering, do all of these concepts and structures that we talk about, like the five skandhas, et cetera, do they cover up? They, they, they cover up and they describe, just like uh, a map describes, unless you never stop looking at it. You know, you're looking at a map and you get so engrossed in the map, it's like you get so engrossed in the menu, you start chewing on the menu, or you start chewing on the recipe. Hmm. I wonder why it doesn't taste very good. Not a good recipe. So it's a silly, it's a silly metaphor, but there's there's something to that we get enamored, especially if we, uh, through comparison uh, or contrast, however you want to say it, uh, seem to have more of a uh, an intellectual ability than our, our neighbor or our friends or someone else. We notice that we're very good at handling concepts. We're very good at thinking things out and analyzing and so on. It's not trying to get rid of that and just saying when it becomes a uh, a way of promoting one's uh, promoting the knower instead of the understanding, promoting I'm the one who knows. It's a very subtle area. Junchu. Gary up in Traverse City has a question. If we never really resolve our persistent lifelong issues, is the practice to simply sit with the discomfort with the awareness it will never cease? <clears throat> with the awareness that what? It will never cease. Well, that's, that's a conclusion. I'll do that. As far as his question, as far as your question, Gary, um, yes and no. The idea is to practice no matter what. If you let anything that shows up uh, derail you or take you in another direction, uh, which doesn't mean you shouldn't look at it, which doesn't mean you shouldn't keep it in your, you know, in your uh, vision in some way, if it's there, if it's insisting on coming up, but just don't pursue and don't ignore and don't go to war with it. Don't do anything with it. Anything that arises, it just arises. It will continue to look like something else, something else, something else, something else, something other, something other, something other. It always looks that way. Something else is happening. Something else. 
That's the beginning of warfare. That's the beginning of peace fair. Not separate. If you think that peace is good and war is bad, <laughs> you probably start one. Maybe only in your own consciousness, but it's very, very tempting to try to fix something, to do something, to make something happen. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, in the teachings, there are the, I think it's from the Lankavatara Sutra, the five, uh, five dharmas. Yes. Um, could you explain the difference between um, uh, suchness and Buddha knowledge? So let's go through all five of them. The first one is something appears. This is a teaching out of the Lankavatara Sutra that Unyo is asking about. Five dharmas. Something appears. We name it. It's a, uh, you know, it could be something in your consciousness. It could be uh, jealousy or it could be uh, sadness or it could be um, pain. It could be a stomachache. It could be anything or it could be something that happens outside. Something, someone walks through the door. We, we name it. It's a stranger or it's a, or, or a feeling of, of, of acceptance or maybe rejection or maybe what the hell is this about? We're going to do something with it. Uh, other than receive it. And receive doesn't mean reach out. That's passion. Receiving just means comes your way, fine. It goes away, fine. So we name it and uh, and then we add, add more to it. We, add, we describe it. We characterize it. We evaluate it. We come to conclusions about it. We come to exclusions about it. We, we continually abandon the very thing that showed up, what originally appeared for something else. And this reinforces uh, what is called duality or the illusion that there are separate beings, separate things, and that the duality of this world, the eight worldly dharmas are real and should be fought with or agreed with or escaped from. And then, so those are the first three. Did I cover those? So the next two. Uh, show up in different ways. And if you read the Lanka or read uh, Red Pines, uh, um, uh, footnotes on that, or if you read the Suzuki Roshi, or not Suzuki Roshi, Daizetsu Tetero Suzuki also translated that back in the 1930s. He also has another book where he just has a big long commentary on it. Um, they all talk about all of this in different ways, but the way it looks to me is the two are suchness or this. And uh, Buddha knowledge or the understanding, the, the intellectual understanding that, that is seeping into the awareness about the fundamental nature of reality, which is not separate. So depending on your particular um, uh, dynamic, your karma, your ability to uh, ability and, and style or, or uh, quality of receiving information or working with, with information, working with your self-centeredness, working with your own karma, passion, aggression, and ignorance, uh, that may show up different with each person. So some, some, one person may really need to see the, um, the uh, Buddha knowledge that may start to show up before suchness, before the emptiness, or, or for the, before the fundamental nature of reality, Tathagata Garbha. Tathagata, Dharmata. 
And so you could speak about it either way. And somebody could come along and say, no, that's it's really this other way. I wouldn't argue with anybody about anything. But it would be interesting to see uh, why they why they would uh, want to disagree with that. A very subtle form of uh, duality is right and wrong. We get sucked into it all the time. Well, that shouldn't be happening. Who caused that? Why that? Why is that happening? Why is why did she say that? Anytime you have a why question, this is what you've just done to your awareness. I'm not saying that you shouldn't say why, but if you're if you're using the why or the investigation to actually cover something up that you'd like to know about by saying why, because it's loaded with aggression. So I would say take your time. Further about uh, those last two. So is there a, a progression? Uh, and I think you just said that the fourth and fifth can be interchangeable, depending. I don't know if I used that word. Maybe I did use it. No, you didn't. It's like they're, they're pointing at the same thing, the suchness, or possibly the, the knowledge about suchness, or the understanding about it that might arise conceptually. If you see what this is, it's very difficult to teach this unless you've actually understood what it what it is in such a way that you don't differentiate between the knowledge about it and what it is. Those are different than you're a scholar, which is not wrong. Be a scholar. I'll invite you here to talk about it. <laughs> so is there a way that we can use this uh, teaching like in, in our everyday life? Everyday life, the best thing with everyday life is spend some time sitting down, unplug the food processor mind, sit down, hold still, and watch what continues to spin. Until, when I say until, I'm saying that, uh, uh, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but until enough, uh, the mind eventually just winds down. The, the speediness goes out. You can't hardly do that over, over years and not have things wind down, but they might speed up for a while, uh, showing you all of the things you've been ignoring before you started an awareness practice. Are suchness and Buddha knowledge relative? The same thing. Even the first three are not separate. The whole thing is one situation. We separate it so we can talk about it. But even what appears is Buddha knowledge, even what appears is suchness. And so that's what happens when you see this, then uh, you're grandmothered in. Or, in your case, the other one. Grand, what's that other one? Grandbrother did. Brother. So you begin to see that uh, everything is just interpenetrating. It's, it's, it's totality. You, there isn't anywhere you look. You can't find a, an evil thing anywhere. Everything is the Buddha. Yes. Uh. I'm just wondering if there's any equivalent to like um, devas or gods in Buddhism, uh, and if so, uh, if there's anything like having a, a personal one, like uh, Ishtar Devata in Buddhism, would be. Yeah, there is. Warm. 
cool warm. Where, where would I uh, learn about that? What do you want to know? What do you want to know? Um, uh, just, you know, what ones there are and, you know. What kind of information it sounds like you're interested in, then go on. One WikiLeaks. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's talking about it. I mean, you can, what you're, it sounds like what you want is just to have the history and what it's about and what the, they are. There's, the Buddhism is flooded with those things that came out of ancient India and uh, other places. And anytime anything went into a country, it also backed out of the country, backed into the country it just came from. Buddhism is like that. It takes it, it it's, it's an empty teaching. So it wears whatever robes it needs to teach. The, a true teacher or uh, Satguru. Uh, teaches out of what of he, she, or they see, not out of what if they what they think. But they teach out of they're not separate from what they're teaching. Right? So they may wear uh, may wear a crown. They may, may wear. Uh, I'm going to be silly here in a minute. But water wings. <laughs> I mean, that's if you're at the beach and you're out in the middle of the water. Don't drown. Joseph, what is a credential? Uh, a credential is, uh, is to abandon what has arisen and come to a conclusion about it. Whatever arises, leave it. And if that, if we find that we're um, uh, understanding something, uh, we might claim something about it. We might, we might give ourselves a credential. Well, I think I'm getting somewhere. I'm understanding this. That's a credential. It can be very, very subtle, or it can be obvious. And credentials are are necessary. We're not saying it's part of the relative situation, part of the world. But sometimes, when it comes to the spiritual path, as my teacher talked about Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche in cutting through spiritual materialism, uh, Buddhism or Buddha Dharma, awaken truth, Buddha, awaken truth, awaken truth without credentials, with no proof. Uh, all, tr all truth, uh, all, uh, all proof is uh, uh, partial anyway. You can't get complete truth. Fire is hot, yeah, so you kind of knew that. It wasn't an opinion. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an area that's, uh, that is kind of movable in terms of the thinking process. You can have a credential as long as you don't lean on the credential and uh, have the, the credential pulled you through. Like, I'm a cop, so therefore, whatever I do must be correct. Yeah, quite often, this is quite often, and not that I'm against that particularly, and policemen, but quite often people go into things like the military or, uh, or, or being a policeman or whatever because they, because they're, they feel so lost and like they're nobody and they need something else. I mean, that's certainly why I went in the Marine Corps. I mean, for four years, they gave me a temporary credential. Just delayed the whole thing. Further questions? Kozan. Paraphrasing what you said earlier, I can't remember exactly, but you said instead of looking at what we need to see, we are going into a story about it. Yeah. 
you start to see that looking at right at it is painful, difficult, but you're already in an environment that's very challenging. It seems like you can't handle one more thing. How do you go into something or be with something that's quite difficult in that situation? Like in a room with other people where something's happening. Yeah, or any environment that is really harsh and you can't handle one more thing, but you know you need to face this thing. Well, I know what I do. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I had to be. So, and I'm, I'm just I'm being silly about it, but I'm saying that that don't don't uh, force yourself into something that is that is uh, has a lot of karma, a lot of wind coming towards you. There's nothing to win. There's nothing to succeed at. It's about being aware, and that awareness is not just about <laughs> what happens. Is when the thing gets it's difficult, we get fixated on the difficulty, and we we totally shut down or turn away from awareness of what this is. It's all about that. It's called uh, duality. There fundamentally isn't any problem anywhere. The teaching, the Zogchen teaching of uh, lots of teachers, but Log Long Chenpa is the one that comes to mind. Is everything is perfect already. It's not a conclusion. You don't have to fix something that's, you know, that is, is your projection of it being broke. More? Other than the bathroom. What do you do in the bathroom? All that. Don't get, I don't want to go there. Sanho. For people who don't know all of the words and concepts from years of training, are there one or two central, simple teachings that you give people? Hmm. Well, I, I say over and over again, train your mind. How do you do that? Sit down, hold still, and look at the mind. It's called meditation. You can call it awareness practice. Uh, in Zen, it's called shikantaza. Uh, Mahamudra. Um, Zogchen. So sit down, hold still, and look what is moving, and don't add to it, don't subtract from it, and don't separate yourself or divide or ignore what's happening. Spend your whole life doing that. Just receive. Turn everything on, all the, all the, all the senses there, including the mind, which is just a, another kind of sense. Just receive whatever's happening without adding on, without interpreting, nothing at all. And then, of course, memorize the 12 links on the chain of existence. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I think it's, it's, it's very, very individual. Since you're wearing uh, Raksu, you've received Dukai, then I would say uh, probably should spend time with uh, joint. We have a study group an hour every day, sometimes more. Try to join that. I know it's difficult with your schooling that you're going to, and, and everybody else has their own schedule. But if you can, try to participate in that so that you can study a text with Sangha or with the community, go down into the text and talk about, just like that five dharmas. Uh, so that, that's what I would say. Other questions? Yes, Junchu. What causes us to believe what's just in front of us? Fear. But it might, might not be the kind of, that's the kind of fear that's, that we would conventionally all of here it might be the all of the the uh, uh, mattresses and pillows and uh, what are those other things called 
What are those things called that have grommets in them and are made of canvas? <coughs> Tarpaulin. Tarpaulins over the top. The fear is under there, but it still it still moves and it looks like something and it might show up. We might as soon as we see that moving, we might project onto it something like, um, "Well, I don't have to do this. This is silly." That's ego. Anytime you have any kind of opinion coming out of that as some kind of a response to whatever's a arising, this is the ego. You don't have to get rid of the ego. You just have to see that it's unreal. If you see it's unreal, all bets are off. It, 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 can't, it might still be around. It might still jump around and point at things and try to show you things that it wants you to do or say. But you And you listen, and you hear, and you hear that voice in your mind that's saying you shouldn't be doing this, you should do that. That is not necessarily your intuition. Space. Your intu intuition is not knowing. If you you're you are already not separate from the Buddha. Everyone, every person, everywhere, the most evil, horrible person is basically Buddha nature come down into an incarnation to learn a few things. Some people are doing a pretty good job. <laughs> Some people are really making a mess of things. <laughs> But that what goes around comes around, as they say. You can't do this without something else occurring. You can't do that without something else occurring. But just to sit down and train your mind to just receive, just see what's happening, please. Everyone here, you leave and you go somewhere else. And if you just receive that, that is the intuition that uh, is like space. It's also called prajna, the wisdom that is crossed over between this and that the double-edged sword of Manjushri, which is one of the deity figures. Manjushri has a double-edged sword by, by two edges. Cuts through this and cuts through that. That's in the days when they used to have swords. More? If I'm sitting and let's say a bird is chirping outside. Um, I know that bird. That doesn't seem to pull me in as much as a thought. Like if I have a thought that I need to do something, there's mm -hmm. more Velcro on that that feels yeah. like it's pulling me away rather than, oh, I need to go do something about that. Bird. Question. What is it about the thought process that hooks us more easily than the other senses? Well, both of those are operating there. The thought about a cardinal or something—you probably have named it. Uh, you have you have moved your awareness from uh, local situation to somewhere out in the trees or on the building or something. So something very complicated things are happening. Uh, the the thought process has, seems to have more, as you used, a metaphor, stickiness or Velcro, because there's some kind of an agenda around it. Some kind of, I don't like it, I like it, it's good, it's bad. Passion, aggression, ignorance, craving, desire for things to be different than they are. So what the sitting practice of meditation does, depends on who's doing it, but it tends to, over time, starts to depersonalize the thoughts. So you begin to see that there's no one really thinking those thoughts. The thoughts come just like sounds come from somewhere else. Smells, taste, touch, feelings that come from, come from somewhere else. Uh, is there an agenda in 
sounds or taste or other just, senses? Just the one that you impute, or that you you imagine or believe in or add on or, you know, it's like everything that happens, you know, we want to describe it. What's because of this, because of that, because of this. Just have a conversation with anyone who has no mind training at all. They go in, they're going circles. It may be highly refined, sophisticated, intelligent appearing circles. But especially if you don't say you don't respond other than just see what you mean. Yeah, I never thought of that. Those are good ones. I never thought of it that way. And that 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 actually is just enough positive feedback for the person to continue to spin out their yarn or their fishing line. You might be looking to hook you in. Uh, Gary has another question. That darn Gary is just full of questions. Is saying there's nothing to do adding? Not if I say it. So I, I see where you're going, Gary, but I would say you have to do something. You have to say something. Uh, actually, the, the truth that is the truth can't even, even be said. So it's just like bunch of fingers pointing at the moon. It's like, don't look at the finger, look at the moon. If you look at the moon, the finger vanishes until you see that the finger and the moon are not two different things. That might take a while. That's when you actually get to eat the foods in front of you. I like that head movement. <laughs> eat food. Food is Something you eat. Go ahead. What is nothing to do? Mm, no one to do it. Kind uh, of get another chance. Well, I think you sometimes remind us of Coben's interpretation of the uh, mantra in the uh, Heart Sutra: no. of falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Nothing to do. Mm -hmm. no, there's nothing. There's nothing happening. There's anything to do. So you might do something. Uh, dependent on what else is happening around you. But basically, it fundamentally isn't anything to do. So is that a literal interpretation? So could be. At, at times, it could be just there isn't anything to do. The ego mind might say, I got busy. I got stuff to do. I need to clean the basement. I need to paint the roof. I need to call my attorney. <laughs> I mean, it, things will arise, but if there isn't anything. It's like sitting. There isn't anything to do. It's like you're 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 volunteering to sit down, hold still, and watch the confusion come and go, because everything goes through the connections of consciousness to the physical manifestation, with, which are nerve endings and everything else. But you can't you can't just address the sound. You can't just address sense of touch. I mean, you can project onto it. Feels feels good. Feels bad. Feels warm. Feels cold and project ideas onto it or evaluations onto it. But the only access you have to what's happening with the body is through the mind. And how do you get that? How do you how do you see the mind? Hold the body very, very still without being rigid, and the mind will start to show up. It may take years, but why not start? You've been here for probably hundreds and hundreds or countless lifetimes, not as this person, as consciousness which may, may show up as a separate person, may not. Not interested in that kind of proof. 
What did you mean when you said that's when we get to actually eat the food in front of us? Well, then you can do whatever is next without any kind of philosophy or right or wrong. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. You can just do what's next. You can function out of dependent origination instead of fighting with it. This is dependent origination. Pratitya Samutpada. Did I get that right? A lot of, lots of words. Sometimes I call a duck uh, a mouse in Sanskrit, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. But dependent origination is very, very sneaky. It's so sneaky that it actually, if you don't understand it, you'll think there, you'll, I'll, just like if I were to say, I'm sitting here talking, and if I look and I say, who's talking? I'll say, well, me. Who's obvious? Not obvious. Find out there's no one, no one talking. There's no one thinking. But I could say that as a concept. The difficulty with saying that as a concept is we tend to use the concept to what? Figure it out or see it or understand it. When it has to be done with the awareness. How do you do it with the awareness? Sit down and hold still. And you could say stretch your mind until you see the difference between thinking and being aware. Thinking is producing. Being aware is receiving. Very simply. And what are you receiving? Whatever shows up. Nothing shows up, nothing to receive. Called emptiness. Yes, Yoon. Um, is, it, is it my business to keep tabs on my confusion? Is it helpful? As long as you just look at it. Just don't, don't. Don't make it less by pushing it away. Don't make it more by explaining it, fluffing it up, feeling worrying about it, feeling guilty about it, adding and adding and adding. And don't distract yourself by thinking, well, donut, donuts. I think I'll have a donut. Being silly, but it's a, like we have a way of when something gets really, you know, gritty or something, we don't really want to experience that. We have a way of just changing the subject, kind of letting some, something else will catch our attention or take us away from it. So yes, just look at it. Don't interpret it. Don't add. Don't subtract. Do nothing with it. And if you if you actually are looking at what you're calling your confusion, and you're not adding, subtracting, or dividing, you're doing no math at all. It will not hold still. It will start to morph into something else that probably you've been not accusing of anything, but probably have been shutting down on. You might actually see what the where that confusion is getting its uh, petrol, or how it's being fueled, where it's getting its nutrition from. And you can't see that if you keep judging and condemning and accepting and explaining because you stay right on the surface. It's like describing a giant rat in the other room. Rat. Rats are really big mice. Yeah, that doesn't work very well. But it's like describing, it's like keeping something away. That's why I put it in the other room, by describing it. And I would say, go look at it. How do you do that? Face a wall. Do it a lot. Schedule yourself. There's nothing here to believe. This this is just all artifice. It's just something we we need to do. This lineage of 2,500 years needs to show up as something, some kind of a form. That's what this is about. Once we understand what this form is, we're 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 no longer attached to belief, disbelief, or ignorance. Or we're just, it's just, you're just present. Nothing to obey.
That was a good time to look at the clock. Noon. Another question for this one? Sano. If I'm allowed to do two parts, how do you... No, no. Okay. Only if you do the second part first. Okay. How do you correct out of your awareness? Don't correct. Don't correct anything. That being said, when you see that something is getting more difficult in some area uh, that, that, uh, that you conventionally might have corrected before you saw what it was, you might have corrected, you might have panicked and started to change that right away because you don't want to have any more of that. You know what I'm talking about. But if you, if you, you know, it's uh, the other word for that is patience. Just wait and watch what it does. You're probably going to make it through. You know, and then watch what it does. And then you'll be, if you're doing it just through awareness and not through analysis or thought process or shutting down or clearing up or evaporating something, then you probably will see an opening in that that will allow you to work with that in a much more intelligent way than going to war with it or correcting. Correcting is war. Very, very, very low frequency, but it's war. It's like this is something we deal with here. That's why we have all these forms. And someone comes up and offers incense and bows and does prostrations. And, and then other people are judging them. Not that our temple residents are evil, bad, judgmental people. But it's a really good way to be in here. Watch this form happen over and over and over, hundreds and hundreds of times. That has to do with paying respect to, not this chunk of wood, but to the, the Buddha nature, to uh, not even the historical Buddha, although we are very grateful that he decided to share what he saw with others, and then they passed it to others. That's why this is a living lineage. It's warm hand to warm hand. You can't learn this from a book. It needs to be. You need to met. You need to meet a. Dharma teacher. Any any other questions? Very good, thank you. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of your chant books. I'd also like to uh, announce that if you haven't heard previously, our Jukai that was scheduled for this afternoon has been postponed till August. And I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. We always gratefully accept your financial support. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones. Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. <laughs> 